let's just take a moment to pray. There's a work of God that has been done by the Spirit, and we want to allow Him to have free reign in our hearts today. Right from last night, there were several issues that God had revealed in our hearts. Today, there's like a seriousness in God. There's a holiness of God expressed. You see, Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We want to make the right decisions, Lord. If there's one thing you've anointed us to do, and especially us as men, it's to be good decision makers. Some of our decisions have landed our families in debt. Some of our decisions have split family. Some of our decisions have caused misery for ourselves and others. Some of our lack of making decisions have caused us, Lord, to go through storms and through be in difficulties that we need not be in. Some of us need to make decisions right now so that in the storm we'd find you. And so we pray for the wisdom. We pray for the insight in our relationship with you to be able to do the right things, Father. We know Christianity does not depend on us. It depends on the grace of God and you declared it is finished. We forgive it. We can have a relationship with you. The war, the battle has been won. But you ask that we choose life. You ask that we set our families up for success, our lives up through making kingdom decisions, kingdom choices. So by the power of your spirit, help us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks, Clint. I've seen these done before, uh, but I tell you, there's a fresh call for us to be the ambassadors that God has called us to be, really. Um, I was just thinking of that one song we sing about the lion and the lamb. Uh, there's a guy called Michael Eaton, who is with the Lord Jesus now. He kind of gave us this picture of heaven when the scroll was being opened or needed to be opened, the scroll of human history. In other words, who's worthy of opening history up? Who's worthy of, you know, kind of saying what's going to go in this world? And they looked around and they saw the lamb that was wounded, that was sacrificed for the sin of the world. And when they turned, they saw the Lion of Judah, two revelations of God, of Jesus, the sacrificial lamb of God, and the second one is the Lion of Judah. There's a majesty about that, a roaring. So Jesus comes initially as the sacrificial lamb of God, and through his sacrifice and through God kind of crushing him and through him saying it is finished, we have salvation. There's our opportunity right now for every one of us. But don't accept that. And we'll have to deal with the roar of the Lion of Judah at that great day of judgment. And that's important to understand. I want his roar in my life. Too little of Christianity is mowing. And it's not roaring. 
It's kind of we hide him behind rocks. Tony said that last night. We hide him behind our inability to make the right decisions or not wanting to make them. And we need to make the right decisions. Kind of grew up, um, many of you know my testimony. I found that I was a miracle. Um, so I checked my mom and dad's Bible and I was born six months after they were married. And so I knew that I was a miracle. I probably spent the first three months of my life in an incubator. And then what I realized there wasn't, I was a mistake. I was conceived on the back seat of a Chevy. I don't know if it was parked at the dead end of a street somewhere, but I was a hot, passionate moment. But in God's eyes, I was foreordained. And all my life, kind of up until I received Christ, I had this incredibly bad idea or bad picture of men. My dad left us when we were six. I was six. Uh, It was grim. It really was grim. I remember him arguing with my mother. He had had more affairs. That was my dad. She wouldn't take him back, and he took his life. And then my mom moved in with men, and I remember their discussion, you know, as a little guy, you know. There were three boys, and this was the discussion. If we can put the three boys in a home, then I'll marry you. (laughs) So, like, I felt like I was, you know, kind of, a discard, a, a reject. I was just some, somebody's problem. Uh, my brother and myself uh, were in a park and we got molested by a homosexual, like by a man. He kind of enticed us into the public toilets. So you can realize, you know, you're thinking, well, how the heck did you end up here? The good part's coming. We get a stepfather who was military. He beat us up. He, he literally punched us, hit us against the wall, shouted at us. And he said, I'm committed to get you through school, and then you're on your own. You've got to move out. He didn't even pay school fees. I got bombed for not paying school fees. So, you know, he lied about that. We got second-hand clothes from the second-hand shop at the school, the uniforms and the blazers. And so my case is not unusual in South Africa. And so it was easy for me to get into drugs and a whole other way of life because there was no sense of belonging, and there was an, an, an like temptation was easy. And I tell you, when I got to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior through a strange set of circumstances, my whole life changed. I found the Father that I was looking for my whole life. It was amazing. Everything began to make sense. And from that moment onwards, this was my determination, to be an ambassador for Christ and to see not only my own family, my kids have a father, but to be determined to help wherever I could because I realized the importance of this relationship. And so for those who can stand today, you better stand, Craig, and say, we grew up in a home where our dads made the right decisions. Please stand up. Maybe about 50% of us over here. That's awesome. And you know, for the rest of us, have a seat, you guys. It is important that we take up the mandate in our country today and in this world today to be the fathers and make those right decisions. So I want to talk to us about this. Yes, a scripture, uh, Henny read it at prayer. And when they had set them in their midst, they required, by what power or by what name did you do this? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God's, God raised from the, from the dead, by him... This man is standing before you well. 
It was a man healed at the gate, beautiful. And my testimony is, I'm standing here because of Jesus. There was no psychological kind of you know, manipulation. It was through a changed heart that I came to know Jesus Christ and through a changed heart that I have this kind of security now and this identity. So I, I want to, we're going to pray for people now. We're going to baptize people now. We're going to trust God for him to kind of move in our lives. But the thing I want to help us now, we need to make wise choices. We really do. We really do. And I know, I can remember one time sitting with the financial planner. I think he was from hell. Um, And he explained to me that I should take all my debt and put it into a personal loan at about 28% interest and pay it over five years. Uh, And I just remember the noose that this was around my neck. I made a bad choice, not by, by nature of what he said, but to get us there by not trusting in God. And I can look at the course of my life and I can see moments where I made the wrong decision because I didn't go to my Father in heaven and I didn't trust Him for the right decisions. But I think there's some bigger decisions that we need to make. You know, for us to kind of serve the Lord like we should, and I commend you for being here this morning. Um, You know, for me, the priority uh, is let's sort things out. Uh, the priority is if there's something like this, let's be at it. So I really, I, I do commend you. But I want to ask you about some of life's big decisions. You know, and, and it's not getting your finance in order. Uh, it's not turning off your PC and, you know, refusing to go down the road of porn. It's not stopping that relationship uh, with a woman, if it's an emotional one, if it's a physical one. The place we need to start is to accept Christ into our hearts as Lord and Savior. So number one for me, I want to ask, how is it with you and Jesus? I had a bottle of water. Craig, just throw it here, please. I'm not very good at catching. <laughs> oh, cheeky boy. How is it with you and Jesus? It's not about coming to meetings. It's not about kind of thinking, you know, I own a Bible and the rest of it. How is it personally with you and Jesus? Because that's where it starts. It's almost like I want to always, you know, move to the place of corrective behavior. No, the only way I can manage it is it's got to be right with me and Jesus. And so if you have not made a decision to serve him as Lord and Savior, you need to do that. It's very simple. We ask him into our hearts as as Lord and Savior. We repent of the sin, and then we get on with it. And so if we've drifted off, we need to come back to Jesus. You know, often you kind of think, well, I want to pay penance in some way. No, the best thing you can do today is make a decision to serve Christ as Lord and Savior. Second thing, if you have not been baptized in water, it's not a pause and think about it for a couple of months or years. You, if you are born again, you need to be baptized in water. Yes, the deal, why? It's because old me needs a place that I can go back to and refer to where I died to myself. Marcus died and he rose to new life in Christ there. Am I going to sin from then onwards? Of course. My determination is to not, but I do. But I can point back to a burial time. I've received Christ and that nature of sin is dead and buried. We are going to deal with that all the time. We're going to be tempted to do the things we shouldn't do and the things we should do. We're just going to neglect. But I need to point back to that place. Because symbolically, I'm declaring to my family, to the world, to the church community, to the enemy that I'm dead 
to my sin. I'm dead to whatever my choices were, and I'm alive in Christ. If you have not been baptized in water, that thing is busy filling up right now. <laughs> and Clint and a couple of others are ready. We're going to give you an opportunity to be baptized in water. The third thing for me, and I know this stirs up so much controversy, and I, I don't know why because the scriptures are so clear on the subject. When Jesus left, he said, I'm going to send you another comforter. When Jesus left, he said, you can't do this on your own. If you try, you're going to be an orphan. And too many of us are orphan Christians. Orphan means no father, no connection, and kind of you become an opportunist. And you kind of, you know, rummaging through dustbins. You're trying to set yourself up for success. I hear a lot of Christianity is me and my strength, me and my ability. You know where that leads? Nowhere. I need a relationship with God by His Spirit. And that, you can call it being filled with the Spirit. You can call it being anointed with the Spirit, baptized, whatever. But I need that. First believers got it. You know, Philip goes and preaches in Samaria. They call the apostles. They get filled with the Spirit, the people in Samaria, and so on. And my own life, saved one Sunday, next Sunday in the water, being baptized. As I come up out of the water, I'm speaking in tongues. Nobody told me about tongues. I never got told that this was going to happen. I hadn't even heard it before. But God filled me with His Spirit and He baptized me. And from that moment onwards, I realized the importance of walking with God, keeping in step with Him. And where I haven't, that's been to my detriment. And then each season of my life, there have been wonderful outpourings of His Spirit. What are we trusting God for for today? Is the Holy Spirit to be poured out over our city, to see a revival like never before. And if we think, I tell you, Tony talked yesterday about partnership. We need a couple of buddies. If you are trying to do this on your own, in your own strength, without being born again, without being baptized, without being filled with the Holy Spirit, you're on a hiding second to none. You can't do it. You cannot do it, guys. And so we want to pray for people today who have never been baptized in the Spirit to be prayed for. And for those that want just a fresh anointing. Spirit is poured out in Acts chapter 2 and later on in Acts chapter 4 or 5. Again, a fresh outpouring. They haven't even been going a couple of months, but yet God says for the next season you're going to need a fresh outpouring. Why is it that we want to do it on our own? He is there so that we have a counselor, we have someone we can walk with. And you know, he wants to get involved. He wants to show us things. He wants to reveal Christ. He wants to forewarn us. Don't do that. Joseph, drop your cloak and run. Right? And sometimes we don't hear because we're not kind of in that kind of place in connection with God. So for me, those are some of the more important things to do. So don't think that Christianity is about behavior correction. You know, it's another philosophy that I'm going to live by. Yeah, those all apply, but get the big decisions made. Today, for the sake of your life, your business, your family, your future, make the big decisions first. Then we can start to, with that strength in our lives, we can start to address the issue of devotion. For me to live is Christ. Devotion, for I've decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And you'll see in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where they devoted themselves to prayer, 
pro- um, not prophecy, fellowship, breaking of bread, and the Word of God. And so those will help us develop the kind of life we should. We'll start to realize the importance of, of being vulnerable before God. Who has ever felt so vulnerable? Like God has just read my whole heart. And I feel insecure because of that. I've often been in a place where I get such a revelation in my heart, I get scared. And you think, you're a leader in a church. You are leaders in the church, all of us. Are you able to be interrogated by the Holy Spirit? Are you able to allow the thoughts and the intents of your heart revealed? The Bible says that the word comes and cuts between spirit and soul. I wonder when's the last time you had that kind of surgery in your life? Or is it just blunder on? I recently just kind of said, Father, I need my appetite to grow with you. And kind of praying those prayers, and then God just begins to reveal my heart. That's why it's not growing. And I think, whew, I can't blame Adele, my wife, for that. I can't blame my kids. I can't blame the church. I could blame the elders, but I don't. Um, You know, there's a number of ways in which you can try and defer or kind of deflect this. But it's me. Marcus needs to take responsibility for the pride, for the arrogance, for the comparison, for the sense of self-worth in myself. Or, you know, hey, Cornerstone's a great church. You must be doing a great job. Are you the leader? And, you know, often you want to step in that gap and say, yeah, the reason why Cornerstone is where it is is because of me. No. And when you get that revelation of your heart, There's a fresh sense of trust and purpose and godliness that is able to be worked out over there. We need that, guys. We need that. That's why Paul said, don't be drunk with wine. Yeah. What happens at a time like that when you're drunk with wine? You're the most generous person on the planet. Free rounds for everybody. You tip the waiter so much more. <laughs> you open to everybody. It's like something has loosened up inside of you. But I tell you, in the end, that thing bites you in the backside. It really does. But be filled with the Spirit. Because there's a, 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 a kind of, I don't know, just an ability to flow with them that comes out of that that is just so precious. There's, there's an intimacy that results from that. There's a freedom. There's a free flow inside of me. The stiffness is loosened up. We need those vulnerable moments in God. Those decisions happen every day you have an opportunity to spend time with the Father. And uh, I know some of you sitting over here have spoken to me about that, how we make decisions for the gym at four or five. And then we add prayer in or we add God in or we add his word in or we add intimacy with him in some way. No, that needs to be the priority we get back to. If you want to see the results, make the right decisions. And so we're going to pray. We're going to trust God. Um, In a minute, we're going to go through this. Of course, some of the other decisions is there's purpose. There's purpose to my life. Every single one of us has been called with a purpose. And as we connect together like here, and we hold each other accountable, and we develop relationships, God starts to partner us like Paul and Barnabas, like Paul and Timothy, and Peter and a team around him, and they're off doing exploits for Jesus. That's what we've been raised for. And these partnerships will produce that. And then a big thing that I want to handle now, because I feel this is part of our call, is this issue. This is what research shows in South Africa. 
that 60% of children have absent fathers and 40% of South African mothers are single parents. Think of that. 40% of homes today do not even have a a father there. But 60% of our kids are growing up without a father's influence. So there's another 20% of families, fathers are there but absent. They're there chasing the bucks or, you know, they just, they're absent. Just not part of their kids' lives, not interested or anything. The world average for uh, single mothers is 15%. America, 25%. We are world leaders with this. We're one of the top when it comes to this, which is, I know, when you go in our background and you look at apartheid, it it contributed towards this, but the church is in this country. 75% of people profess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. They say on a Sunday, we have about 60 to 70% of people will go to a church meeting or look at something online. This should be changing because this is chronic Destroy the family and you destroy the society. You destroy the country. And so there is a job on our hands when it comes to fatherlessness. Let me give it to you in numbers. 2.13 million kids grow up without a father in the house. Today, there are 2 million children are growing up without a dad at home. They come in home to mom and sometimes to nothing because mom's working. And so they're having to do all the stuff themselves. But how's this? Eight, where is it? Nine million grow up without a father's influence. The church has got a big job on its hands. And I know you've you, you probably got a, some of you got the testimony that I have, like a, like a very poor self-image. But in Christ, stop being a victim. We have a relationship with God the Father, and he restores that. I want to be part of that solution. Paul says there are very few fathers in the body of Christ but lots of instructors. In other words, way back there, 2,000 years ago, this was an issue as well. And, and he's saying that more have got to start to think this way. So I want to suggest that one of our biggest roles is not to start fathering campaigns, but to look for opportunities to help those who don't have fathers. When we have the right heart, God will bring them in. You know that? God adds to our number daily those that need to be saved. And if we got a willingness, because a lot of us are saying, well, I have a relationship with God, but now are you able to help others? Because this world has shown us, in our country especially, we need to be able to walk alongside those who don't have fathers. Boys and girls, help them as married couples. In, uh, I think it's Malachi, the last two verses, talk about the church's role in the end times. You know what it is? To turn the heart of fathers back to sons and sons back to fathers. How's that for a role of the church? And so don't sit there thinking, I haven't got a job to do. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you've been baptized, you're filled with the Spirit, you committed to a local church, you integrated, and you connected, you've got a job. For every four kids, there's six others who don't have dads. Four with dads, there's six who haven't got that influence. And so we've got a job on our hands. Here's a scripture that we prayed over on Wednesday night. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. 
And so we live in our lives as an example so that we can attract. We can attract others so that we can help them with this. We can. The amount of men and women that I've sat with, Adele and I've sat with and helped in this regard is amazing. And I still feel the, the major part of what God has called me to do is to give young guys their inheritance. That's what dads do, is they come alongside and they say, these are the things that I feel are stopping you getting your inheritance. It's just making the time available. It's praying. It's trusting God. And then pretty soon you're going to see that those guys are going to be there for you to help. That's what it's about. This is a buddy system. It's us making sure that this thing doesn't die. The generations are coming through. And I know some of you are incredible with your, you know, you have hobbies and you're showing guys how to fix cars and showing guys how to do woodwork and make money and the rest. But the most important thing is show me how to make the right decisions in life. That's all it is. You know, stuff that's happening in your life, you're going to help them with. Can we bow our heads? I, I, I want to pray and ask us to, you know, kind of commit to those decisions we need to make.